Welcome to the 132nd episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Shelley Costa, author of the mystery novel, You Can Only Die Once, the debut of the Italian restaurant Cozy Mystery Series. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Shelley Costa, mystery novelist and short story writer and the author of the new mystery, You Can Only Die Once, which is in bookstores now. Shelley, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Well, at the outset, I wondered if you could read a couple of pages from your new mystery novel, You Can Only Die Once. I'm happy to. On the morning of May 27, my life seemed to be scored by an Oscar-winning composer, a good-looking compost invader at midnight, a job I loved, although I'd never admit it to Nonna, a new satin and lace camisole in chocolate brown from my favorite boutique down the street, Airplane Hangers, a new shampoo that delivered shine, volume, and coverage, everything I like in a man, but with fewer complications. So it felt particularly unfair when I let myself into Miracolo at 1.21 p.m., singing Lionel Richie's Endless Love in a Lavish Falsetto, and strode into my kitchen, whereupon something looked terribly out of place. Maybe it was the body on the floor. What looked like an older man sprawled on his stomach wearing khaki pants and a yellow short-sleeved summer shirt. When I tried to see past all the blood, I noticed that his head was bashed in. Skulls that look like that are pretty much done working the Times crossword puzzle, not to mention finding any kind of a hat that fits. I started shaking. I staggered over to the wall where I meant to turn on the lights, but flipped the switch that started the loop of Sinatra music. My way started, and my eyes slid back to the dead guy. Regrets? I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. Melting against the wall, I killed the music and looked around the empty Miracolo kitchen, trembling. Who did this? And why here, in my place? Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about You Can Only Die Once yet, how would you describe the novel? Okay. Um, I describe it as an amateur sleuth mystery uh, that qualifies as a cozy. Um, The world um, I've created here is one uh, where a family owns an Italian restaurant. That's Miracolo. And it's been in this family for four generations. Um, it's set in a fictional, uh, town called Quaker Hills, Pennsylvania. That's about 40 minutes north of Philly. Uh, it's narrated by Eve Angelata, who's 32 years old, and she is the head chef at the restaurant. Um, she is a former Broadway dancer who had an accident and because she needed a job, um, she she went to work in the family restaurant, which is owned by her uh, her domineering grandmother, Maria Pia Angelata. And the series, the book, and I hope the series features Eve, uh, Maria Pia, her cooking eccentric cousins, 
Um, a few members of Awake staff uh, who are recurring characters, and then certain people out in her community. Great. And you mentioned the series, so I, I'm assuming there are other books written or planned? Well, uh, I'm contracted with Simon & Schuster Pocket Books for two books uh, at the outset. Obviously, I hope there will be more. And book two um, it will be released this December. Um, its title is Basal Instinct. <laughs> That's so great. I, <laughs> I, I have to say, when I took the book out of the package, uh, I had it sitting on our kitchen table and my wife saw it and groaned at the, at the pun. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, as you know, uh, many mystery novels now have a strong regional setting or the sleuth has an interesting career or, or interest. How did you decide to write a mystery series set in a northern Italian restaurant? Well, I can give you the long story there. I think it's it's kind of interesting because uh, I think people out there who, who love to get into the nitty gritty or who are aspiring writers uh, would, would, would find it interesting. I started out. Uh, I started out twenty years ago, wanting to write female private eye novels, and I've spent a lot of years trying to do that with no success. And finally, I decided I'm going to change how I become a mystery novelist because clearly that wasn't working. And I decided to try an amateur sleuth, a cozy mystery. And my first idea, uh, I wrote two chapters and decided, because I've taken tap dancing for seven years, um, it was I was going to set the story in a tap dance academy in Greenwich Village, because there's nothing I like reading and writing about more than New York. Uh, so I was writing, you know, this tap dance series, and uh, I interested uh, the man who became my agent, John Talbot based on that material. Um, but it wasn't flying with the major publishers. And we just got creative and thought, you know, what, how can I change this and, uh, and still have something that I really have some feeling about and there's some joy in writing. And maybe it's based on the fact that I have, I mean, half my family is Italian. Um, I, it just came to me and uh, he was very pleased with it because he thought it was a winning idea. That's great. So I have to I have to ask you kind of the obligatory obligatory question. Do you do you have a favorite Italian recipe or or, or dish that you enjoy? <laughs> uh, oh gosh, a favorite <laughs> Italian recipe. Oh well, you know uh, the story is actually uh, part of the fun in the story is that uh, it's a northern Italian cuisine at this restaurant and this is because they're the family is obviously from you know northern italy and the grandmother has like an injunction against anything from this sort of fuzzy kind of italian equivalent of a mason dixon line in her own mind <laughs> uh so i mean i have to admit i like lasagna i mean i, I like pizza <laughs> um but uh what, what do i like that's uh gosh I, I don't have a favorite. I like um, uh, veal marsala. I like, uh, oh, gee. Um, and so, so what was the process like when you, were, when you were researching and writing the book? Did you have to learn more about the um, restaurant business? 
Oh, uh, for sure. Uh, yes. I mean, I have three. Um, there are four of us first cousins on the Costa side of my family. It's basically a small family. I, as I say, am the only one who is not a chef. My other three first cousins are chefs. And so I think from spending time with a couple of them, I've got a sense, you know, in just a very general way, just enough to make what I'm writing, I, I hope, plausible of how, you know, working with food as a business works. Um, yeah. So I'm sure readers will tell me how I get it wrong if I do. <laughs> so so you mentioned earlier uh these female private eye novels that you were yeah. working on what what was that what was that process like was, was it something that just wasn't working in terms of the the books and the protagonist or 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 what was what was it that kind of kept you going through that process oh those are i guess two separate things i'll uh, yeah. see if i can keep them in my head okay um uh, why I think it wasn't wasn't going. I um, I have um, a doctorate in literature, and I think I was coming from uh, a what a state of mind and uh, what a life experience up to that point uh, that I read a lot of very literary things, and my first stories that I sold were literary short stories, uh, but I because I love mysteries so much. I started gravitating more and more to them, uh, both as a reader. And then finally, I decided I wanted to be a mystery writer. Uh, what happened with those novels? I can't say. Maybe they were a little uh, too on the literary side. Uh, I have written and rewritten them countless times. <laughs> Um, I don't know what their, you know, final fate will be. Um, I've even poached a few things from those books that I still like and that I reshape and use uh, in stories or in this book. I don't know. I maybe it, they didn't seem credible enough. Uh, if you know what I'm saying, sure, um, sure. you know, uh, finally, my my heroine hated her gun. And, you know, spent a lot of time, um, you know, agonizing over men and clothing. And I thought, finally, you know, she's probably not at heart a private investigator. So maybe she became Evangelata. Right, right. And and kind of what kept you going through that process? What kept me going? I think, and this is, you know, uh, just absolute dogged. Uh, perseverance. I I felt like I I knew I I could do this job. Uh, that I am a writer by nature. I've had a lot of experience. What kept me going through it was just the determination that I knew, Jeff. That if I stopped, then I was finally dooming myself to failure. Um, and it has, I'm, I'm like the poster girl for, it can take 20 years, you know, to, to break, to break into this business in the way you want to. Right. So, so I think finally it was just a kind of stubbornness that I wasn't going to give up. Um, there have been, I mean, it was hard to do graduate school, but I just, uh, persevered and there were plenty of hard times in both writing, the mystery novels and, you know, anyone who writes knows that I tell my classes this because I teach creative writing. It is always hard work. Um, even on the days when it goes well, it's hard work. On the days it doesn't go well, it's hard work. So finally, you just have to be determined. Right. 
And 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 given that given that background and those novels that you had worked on, what was the what was the the writing experience and process like when you uh, switched the idea from from the dance academy in Greenwich Village to writing "You Can Only Die Once"? What what was that process like? Did it go easy for you? It went uh, that that was actually an easy. <laughs> making that shift i spent a a very sad day when i realized i wasn't going to get to write the dance academy because the general feeling was there were too many dance related mysteries out there uh but after a day you know i thought hey i'm a working writer um and i i made the shift uh and i think the bigger change was from writing uh a traditional mystery, an amateur sleuth, cozy mystery from writing the female PI books, because suddenly the writing was going a lot faster. And I was uh, full of joy. I was really having a good time. That's great. That's great. So as someone who worked as an editor in book publishing, and you now teach fiction writing at the Cleveland Institute of Art, I know this is kind of a broad question, but are are there kind of common mistakes that you see in a lot of uh, your students or people who are trying to aspire to publish? Um, well, my students are art students, so they would say they're first interested in a life as a professional artist artist. But what's wonderful about uh, teaching writing electives uh, to juniors and seniors at the Cleveland Institute of Art is that it's very self-selecting. I'm getting uh, artists who who want to write and illustrate children's books, who are designing video games. Many of them are involved in art that requires narrative. So, so they're kind of on the page. What I notice um, is that this is a, you know, a generation that has grown up on a lot of, of video games. And um, I think they've all, I've never met a bad student writer in the 12 years I've been there, but a common problem I see in their development as writers um, is that they tend in terms of plotting to be very, uh, episodic story goes from battle to battle to battle to battle, (laughs) you know, instead of there being an actual story arc. I've seen that, uh, many times. And I think that's how they know story, um, in, in that generation. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm Mm -hmm. saying it's not what I'm familiar with. And I still think the other way is better. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Uh, and, and along those same lines, what, what general advice do you have for aspiring writers who may be listening and would one day like to break in as well and sell their own novels? Okay, aside from persevering doggedly, um, <laughs> I'm going to tell that I'm going to say the same old truths bec- uh, that they've heard before that uh, are unchanging. You have to read a lot and you have to be disciplined. Um, I think the reading part is easy. I think writers tend to be readers and we, you know, we love that. It's like total immersion and the the boundaries between reading and writing feel very wonderfully blurry sometimes. Um, In terms of being disciplined, I, you know, you have to spend whatever you can, whatever your creative clock is like on a given day. I mean, I can write 
well for about four hours, and then I feel played out. Um, if I can do one to 3,000 words a day, um, then that's just peachy. Uh, beyond those things, reading, uh, well, let me say a little more about reading. Um, I came from a pretty broad background in terms of reading, but as I started narrowing in on what I wanted to write, I exclusively read mysteries. I think there's a whole lot of fine writing that uh, goes on these days in that genre. Uh, I find it very satisfying. Um, it helps. It, I also, um, what, I, I like to network within the mystery writing community, so I get to know the writers and the work um, as another writer. Um, I think aspiring writers need to be honest with themselves about the life. As I, I have been writing since I could hold a pen. I've been writing stories. Um, I sold my first story at the age of 22. Decades later, I sold my first novel. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Jeff, I hear the Cinderella stories where someone will turn up at a mystery conference and they'll say, I don't know, I was in IT. And then someone yeah, I sort of had an idea for a book and I knew someone who knew someone who said I'd publish it. And you get the Cinderella stories, but basically it's the slogging away, unglamorous, uh, daily attention to, to your creative work uh, that, that counts, I think, in the end. It's more typical. It may have taken me 20 years, but as someone pointed out, you are actually kind of textbook. You write something good. On the basis of that, you found a good agent. On the basis of that, you've got a good publisher. So it's kind of the way it's supposed to happen. Uh, it just took a lot. <laughs> so it, was a, it was a long overnight success. It was a long overnight success. In terms of being honest with yourself about the crea about the writing life, do you think, are you someone who can sustain it over the long run? Um, you know, do you have a day job? Is there some other uh, <laughs> means of support? Uh, do you have just the plain grit? Do you think you'll love it that long? Right. Um, do you not know who you are if you're not writing? Uh, the questions like that, you just need to, to keep checking in with yourself because it is a long run. And even after you break in, you'd like to think it's still a long run. Um, the, just the, maybe the issues change, but it's still hard work even after you break in and you've got a book contract, um, and, and the discipline doesn't change and the reading part of it doesn't change. So that's right. my advice. Okay. Well, regarding reading, what books and authors have you read lately that, that you would recommend? Uh, well, okay. What have I read lately? Um, all right. Um, I actually went back. Somebody told me about a series that somehow totally got by me back in the 90s, uh, set in New York uh, by Marissa Peisman. I, I know the series, uh, there were about seven books, maybe eight. I've read all of them. Gloriously funny uh, books set in New York City. Um, a delicious series, and I just motored right through them. Um, I've read now all the books in James Ben's Billy Boyle series, which is set in World War II. I interviewed him. You you interviewed him? Yes, yes. Oh, I'd like to go back. I'll go if <laughs> access is, I, I'd like it, to. It is. I'll, I'll send you a link. I'll send oh, you a link. I, I, I like his books. Oh, yeah, I do too. Um, I tend to like books set in World War I or World War II. I love Ann Perry's uh, World War I series. 
Um, so I've motored through whole series um, this past year. I, I will always read something by C.J. Sansom. Um, he writes a really fine historical series set during the time of Henry VIII. I mean, I, uh, before I read the first, I thought, oh, this is going to have to be something for me to stick with it, but it was really something. Um, I'll read anything by Peter Robinson. Um, I wait for S.J. Roseanne. I like Louise Penny. Uh, these, I, well, you know, these writers <laughs> have anything, and there are plenty. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Right, right. I understand. Um, yeah. So those, those I will always go to. I've been to in the past year, and those two, the Marissa Peisman series and the James Ben series. And the Marissa Peisman series. What What are some of those titles? Do you know off the top of your head? It's, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. I, as I say, I don't know. She had. I thought so much, actually, I think she is now working for, she herself is an attorney and she's working in Albany for the state government in a pretty uh, high, high up uh, position. Um, her sleuth is Nina Fishman and she is an attorney for the housing court in Manhattan. Um, the first book in the, she's Jewish. Uh, she, it's very urban and of great comic sensibility. And I loved it. I just love the character. I love the sensibility. Um, uh, the first book in the series is Unorthodox Practices. Interesting. Uh, I'll take yeah, a look at that. That's the first book. And I, I really always recommend reading books, series books in order because, I mean, sometimes I'd happen to pick something up that's out of order and then I start from the beginning and work my way back up. Sure, sure. So, so what is your own writing process like? Do you outline extensively when you're working on a novel or are you more of an organic writer? I think I, I, well, I don't outline extensively. Anything in my life that I have outlined extensively, I then just kind of, you know, rub my hands together and say, well, that's done. Uh, and I end up not feeling like I need to write it. Um, I don't know why that is. It kind of, right, outlining extensively kind of kills something for me. Um, so I, I outline uh, especially with a mystery, obviously you have to have a sense of a couple of things. What's the apparent mystery? What's the real mystery? What are the red herrings? Uh, what are the the hooks and the twists and all those things? So it requires what I, I kind of start out with a skeletal outline and I know who's killed, uh, what, you know, what some of the investigation is like, uh, who seem to be good suspects and who the real killer is. But I stay very open to letting the story tell me what it wants to be and to letting the character say, no, 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 you got that wrong. So I, to me, I think truly, finally, it's more of an organic process. And I, I put down on paper ahead of time enough to keep me, to keep my head on straight in terms of the mystery plot. That's great. So um, what are you working on now? Well, um, I'm waiting to do revisions on book two, Basil Instinct. And I started working on untitled book three, um, hoping that there's a contract for, you know, uh, continuing books in the series. Um, I'd like to, I'm working on, but haven't finished yet, uh, putting together a, a proposal for an entirely different series, uh, to be working a couple of different, uh, sides of the street at once, but I love the world I've, I've put together in You Can Only Die Once. I, 
I, the voice came to me very quickly. Uh, so I think I'm a natural fit with my, with my heroine. Um, and I feel like uh, I really want to write her story for a long time. Great. And do you still uh, work on short stories as well? Because I know you've sold several mystery short stories. Yeah. Um, short stories are uh, truly where I feel I um, what? Well, obviously, I guess it's where I really uh, came of age as a writer. Uh, who knows why that is? I know novelists who say, gosh, I wish I could write short stories. For me, um, I knew I wanted to move into writing novels, but there's some something that is satisfying to me about a short story. Uh, and uh, I think my short stories tend to be more like little psychological thrillers. Uh, I like the intensity in a short story. I like, I, I, they feel, you know, I go back to my literary roots a little bit in the short stories. And I feel like I explore some pretty important themes that maybe I, I can't explore in a, a mystery series of, you know, of novels, mystery novels. Um, I wrote a story that was published this past year in November in um, Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine called Strangle Vine. I had percolated that story for years. It came out of a true story uh, of a lynching that occurred in Oklahoma about 100 years ago. I was so moved by this woman's story that I knew I wanted to tell it uh, as, as a story. And uh, it just took me lots of years of ruminating and trying to figure out how to tell that as a story. So I feel like I, I've dealt with some pretty heavy things, even in my mystery short fiction. So there will continue to be, you know, that I, I hope I will continue to write short stories because they're satisfying in a different way. That's great. Well, where can people find you online? Um, I have a website. Uh, it's www.shellycosta.com. Um, where can they find, and I guest blog, I have been asked to guest blog, uh, it's been kind of a busy month, uh, mystery, uh, mystery lovers kitchen is one of the blogs. I mean, there have been a few, I think if you just sure. Shelly Costa, some things will, some hits will come up. Yeah. Um, but my, my website will just, you know, tell people a little more about, um, I don't know, I guess how little, little bit about my background and what's happening now. And, um, what what I love about uh, writing and reading that hopefully they can identify with. Great. Well, we've been speaking with Shelley Costa, mystery novelist and short story writer and the author of the new mystery, You Can Only Die Once, which is in bookstores now. Shelley, thanks for doing the interview. Thanks an awful lot, Jeff. I really appreciate the opportunity. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.